Hi. Hello and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbert. And today our title is, Does He Thank That Servant? We have a reading from Luke chapter 17, and we'll begin in verse 5. I'm going to read the passage first uh, to get us thinking about what Jesus has said to his disciples and give us a, a minute to think about what Christ is saying and, and take hold of that. Luke 17 in verse 5 says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once, sit down and eat. But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. We have Jesus here giving us this picture of faith and responsibility and how those tie together before God and in the all the work that the servant would do for his master and that he doesn't look to the master expecting to be thanked or any gratification offered from the master. And it's very interesting towards the end where he says, you have done all those things which you were commanded to do. So it really puts us in a very humble position as servants because if we've done the things that God gave us to do, then we can't boast. There's nowhere to go with that because he told us and we did it. Other than just simply obeying, there, there's nothing left there for us to brag about, especially uh, one to another. So, so the question, and, and this is something we've been doing, we've been looking at questions from Jesus, and this one is a little different because typically we look at questions from Jesus where he's challenging the Pharisees or someone who is incorrect in their theology. So he poses a question to just you know blow their thinking out of the water. But in this one, it's different because he's talking to his disciples and he's asking them a very important question, which would have made their jaws hit the ground, I think. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that he was? they were commanded to do? And then he answers that question, I think not. Hmm. And they know the answer too, don't they? I think so. Um, and as we've talked about this, this whole discourse, this is discussion that Jesus is having with his uh, disciples, with the apostles here specifically, this is one of those passages where, at least to me, it seems like Jesus is not addressing the issue. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> a question is asked or a request is made, and Jesus' response doesn't seem to fit. It seems a little disjointed. But Jesus doesn't teach that way. He, he is the teacher. He's bringing God's message to the world. He doesn't waste words, and he doesn't seek to confuse people. He always gets to the heart of the matter, and sometimes that's why it seems disjointed, because they're asking, asking a question based on some carnal concept, and he goes right to the spiritual core of the problem and addresses that. But that's, that's not really the issue here. Uh, so I try to always look at the context. You know, why is Jesus responding to this situation in this way? What is he saying? And 
of course, the whole context is uh, he's been basically teaching them. As he says in verse 5, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day, forgive him. You know, if he repents and comes to you, then you should forgive him. And said, in fact, he says, you shall forgive him. Mm-hmm. So there's a command. Well, their response to this is increase our faith. And if we look in Matthew 18, where this is developed a little more, Peter brings out what. It, so you're saying if my brother sins against me seven times a day, should I forgive him seven times a day? And Jesus says, well, not just seven, up to 490 times, you know, 70 times seven, which is his way of saying you forgive him every time he comes to you in repentance. Well, Peter is indicating that to their point of view, that's a pretty tall order. And so their response here in Luke, which is not recorded in Matthew, is, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, we need more if we're going to do this. You know, this, this is a tough, tough sell right now. They need to grow. And so he, he gives a two-point response. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So he teaches a little bit about what faith is all about and what it can accomplish. Even a little bit of faith is something that God can use to accomplish great things. And uh, we can see that with the example of Gideon in, uh, in the Old Testament during the time of the Judges. He was pretty doubtful about things that were going on. And even when he understood or was willing to accept what God wanted him to do, his response was, well, I'm, I'm the least in, of the house that's least in the tribe of, you know, in Israel and whatever. I don't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. But God has shown repeatedly he's able to use the little things to accomplish, accomplish great things. But then the second part of his response is he goes into this picture of a servant. Here's a servant that works all day. He's out there in the field, working hard in the sun. He comes back in, and we would expect that the master would say, Oh, man, you're dirty and tired and sweaty. Here, get cleaned up, relax, take a break, grab a bite, and then then you can make me some dinner. Well, no, because it's not about the servant, I think is one thing that Jesus is getting at. He still expected, okay, you did your duty for the day. You still have duties to perform. You're a servant. You've got some responsibilities. You know what your commands are to, to do for the day. So fulfill those commands. You know, serve me my dinner. Then you can sit down and have your dinner. You can serve yourself. And so he drives, he, he drives that point home when he says, does he thank that servant? Well, why should he? The servant is only doing what he's supposed to do. He's only fulfilled his duty, as Jesus points out in verse 10. So why should he, why should he expect thanks? And I think that ties into their request for him to re- increase our faith. Because to have your faith increased, you first need to be humbled. You need to accept and nurture an attitude of humility. It is that none of this is about me. I am just a servant. It's all about the master. He comes first. 
And that's what we as servants of Jesus Christ uh, have to inculcate into our thinking. I am a servant to my master and to other people. It's them first, then me. So that would apply to them. When you come in from your work during the day, you still serve the master. He's first. Then you can take care of yourself, your own needs. And, uh, and I, I, there's, in verse 10, when he drives that point home, so likewise, when you've done all those things which you are commanded, say we're unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. That's a really, to me, a profound statement because you can apply that to many different things in, as far as doctrines are taught in the religious world. Mm-hmm. Basically, what he's saying is it is never about you. There's, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, which is absolutely true. Even when we do everything that's commanded, everything that the Lord wants, we haven't earned a thing. We've just done what he told us to do. Big deal. Who does that glorify? Not me. It glorifies the master. Yeah. And that's, that's what our attitude should be. So really, as far as increasing our faith, the servant needs to have the attitude that I'm not doing anything that's going to deserve the thanks of the master. Um, even if I do everything he says, that's only what I was supposed to do and nothing more. So there should be no expectation that when I get in for a hot, from a hot day at work, well, the master is just going to slobber all over me because I'm, I show I'm a really great guy. No, because it isn't about me. That's a tough concept to, to settle in your mind. Like you said, it's hard to grapple with because the natural man, mm-hmm. that doesn't add up at all. And I think for us, I remember, you know, working every day in a company that you're in the middle of something and you would go, sometimes there's something happening and you go the extra mile. And for me, just personally, and I think it's the natural side of me is that I'm, I'm going these final steps. I'm doing more than the others did because I want to make sure this package goes out the way that it should. And I'm hoping in the back of my mind that the, the owner of the company or my boss is looking out the window of his office and, you know, like, oh, wow, uh, he's the reason this is going to happen, you know, because, because that's the truth. And I really did give it uh, a little bit extra and more than others did. And I I think even in that, the Lord has taught me over and over again, that there's no thanks coming, you know, not only are they not going to thank you, they're not even looking. So there's something in me where I have to care about the company. I have to care about my honest day's work for an honest day's pay and, and, and work and serve as I'm serving Christ and not man. And then, and then the rest of that starts to settle down for me. But there's a carnal side of me and a natural side of me that says, you know, I, I, I put in the extra mile and I expect, I just see the servant coming in from out in the field and the master saying, you know, you, if you're, if you're hoeing these rows for, for the crops or whatever, that you did 10 more than I asked you to do, you know, you, you're the best servant I have. And, and Jesus says, no, that is not going to happen because you're a servant. And I think part of what we have to understand in this context is that in this time and under the Roman rule, and there were millions of servants, uh, and they're called slaves, not servants, but they were slaves in Rome. And a slave, if you, if you were recognized as a slave in Rome, you had no rights. You were owned as though you were property. Uh, literally, your, 
your owner, your master could take you in and trade you for a toaster oven. Because you're a piece of property. You know, if he wants a new radio, he trades you in for the radio. And it, it, like, that is so humbling that you're considered a piece of property. There, it is known that during the days of Rome, the master, the true official master of a servant could take him out and kill him for something that he was upset about. And he didn't face any law that, that would keep him from doing that. You know, they didn't practice it, but it was possible. So imagine a servant in that scenario coming in and saying, hey, I'm sick and tired of you not being thankful. That ain't going to happen because he could lose his life. He could be traded. Um, you know, things could get worse for him. So there's this constant reminder that you are a servant. And that is hard for us because here in the United States, mm. we don't live with any of that going on. Yeah. We expect to be noticed and we expect to be thanked. And, and, and there's, you know, there's something to that as well. But that is not what's happening in this parable. So it's important to remember that as well. Yeah, and I think we need to, we'll touch on this in a moment. We need to keep this parable in context, this, this whole response. The point is humility. Mm-hmm. If you want to increase your faith, okay, that's your request. The first thing you need to, to attain is humility. Because then you can truly be of service to others. You can be forgiving when someone wrongs you. Because for one thing, you have that humble spirit. And secondly, and, and here I think is another lesson that Jesus is, is giving here, we need to be forgiving people because Jesus, our master, is forgiving. Uh, he wants us to forgive others as he forgives us. So that's only possible when we humble ourselves the way that Jesus did. Uh, a servant recognizes his responsibility and he has a responsibility f- to fulfill his duty without expecting anything in return. I'm just, I'm here as a servant. I need to do my master's will. I, and part of my master's will is to be this forgiving spirit, this forgiving person. That's what's going to deepen our faith and it's going to allow us to express our faith. Yeah. That's absolutely true, and that, that, that is all for our good, ultimately. I think we need to make clear, because we, you know, this, this, the, the parable says what it says, but, but there's another part to this, and that is that God does reward us. Yes. It, so it's, yeah. not, it's not like on Judgment Day, like, <laughs> you barely made it. Um, we will be rewarded by God, and the Scriptures are clear about that as well. I think the point is that any, any boasting concerning the work that He's given us to do is futile. It doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve anything that's worthy of the kingdom. Yeah, that's that is not going to increase our faith. No. If we have if we have something to boast about, then now it's about me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to do anything for my faith in my master. Uh, and my desire to fulfill his will, in this case, be forgiving of others. I have to learn my place as a servant and that requires humility and like you said that's really hard for us john wayne types in america you know we we have this american mythos that nobody does me wrong you know i don't forgive i get even this kind of thing (laughs) which we can see the kind of destruction that that attitude has has wreaked in our society if people would be more forgiving as Jesus wants us to be forgiving, things would be a 
whole lot better. That's right. But that's what he wants from his people. If I want to increase my faith, that's one aspect of it that I need to first recognize my place as a servant, that I don't do anything that deserves thanks from my master. And I need to be a forgiving individual. That's going to not only nurture that that attitude of humility in me, but it's going to express it to others. Wow, this is really different. I was expecting you to bite my head off when I came in to say I'm sorry, but you're forgiving me. Yeah. And that's going to have an impact. That's right. Uh, And that's what Jesus wants. He wants his servants to have an impact in the world. We only do that by being faithful servants, doing what we're told with a humble attitude. Because, again, it isn't all about me. I'm just a servant. It's about the master. He's the one who gets served first. And that's what that's the point Jesus makes here. Yeah, you come in after your long day of work, you still have responsibilities as a servant. Your master comes first. So you get his dinner and something for him to drink. Then when you're all done with that, you can sit down and have a have a dinner and a drink. Is and isn't that possible if if we love our master? Yeah. Can't can't we maintain that? Um, then we do it out heart. of joy, yeah. yeah. We, rather than, God, I still have another hour I have to serve here before I even get a snack. Well, you're not a servant then with that attitude. <laughs> you are technically, but you, you're not a good servant. No, you're your not, heart's in the wrong place. You're, yeah, you're not going to increase your faith, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's the servant who takes joy in serving his master, who leaps at the opportunity to fulfill a request from the master yeah. to, to obey a command. That's that attitude that's going to also increase your faith because my master's always right. He does the right thing. He, he, he has the right to command me because I am a servant and I've willingly entered into that relationship. Therefore, when he commands me, that's what I'm here for, uh, to do it. Get it done and, yeah. and do it in a way that's pleasing to him. The reality of God in, in, in Christ is that our master loves us and we love him. So that that's what that's the glue that brings it all together. We had three major points from this. I'm sure we've kind of lightly touched on each one, but what's the first one? The first one we looked at is that, that when the servant is serving the master, he doesn't do it with the attitude of that he deserves any thanks that I've gone the extra mile, like you said, at work, um, and that that, uh, that deserves to be recognized. Well, nope, that's not the servant's attitude. And then Jesus' emphasis before this parable, the thing that sets it all up, is that we need to be forgiving as he forgives us. Yeah. Um, but but, 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 but then what, what is not stressed in this, and again, we, we, sh- we shouldn't stretch a parable or a story of Jesus beyond its bounds. We can look at this and say, but I'm not a servant that is not going to receive a reward that doesn't get thanks, that doesn't get recognition because our, our, our master, Jesus Christ, graciously does favor us. He forgives us of our sins through the cleansing power of his blood. He's promised, in fact, when our servitude is done 
He's going to give us a seat at his feast table when he comes to take his bride home at the wedding feast. <clears throat> we don't deserve that. Servants never got a seat at the table. And yet, that's what he says he'll do for us. So, it, it isn't that, oh, okay, I'm a servant of Jesus, but I don't get any kind of a reward. Well, you do. You get some rewards in this life. You know, all the, the spiritual blessings that, that are received in Jesus that he provides for us. But in the life to come, we're no longer going to be servants. I think that's an important point to, to recognize. We're going to be the family that Jesus brings home to the Father. We're going to be his bride that he, that he brings home. So we are exalted above just the place of a servant. As Jesus told his his apostles, just before he was uh, arrested and went through his passion, I no longer call you servants. You are friends. And that we have to look forward to. There will be a day when Jesus will say, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. That's when we'll receive our thanks. Amen. But the story in this life to increase our faith because at that time there won't be any room for faith faith and hope will be gone because now it's all become sight we're in the presence of our master and only love remains according to what paul taught in first corinthians 13 yep. so our faith doesn't need to be increased at that time during this life yes it does and in order to accomplish that we need to have a servant heart of humility that I, it's never about me. It's always about someone else, and ultimately it's about my master. That's right. We don't deserve thanks. We need to learn to forgive as Jesus forgives, and we don't deserve any favor from Jesus. The favor part, I mean, you think about the workers, the 11th hour, 11th mm. hour workers as it's referred to, um, the ones who worked long and hard expected special treatment, and they, they complain about that to their master in, in the parable in Matthew chapter 20. But, but the master there says, I, friend, I, I have not done you any wrong. You, you worked for the wages which you agreed to work for. And so all of their reasoning and thinking about what they deserved and how great the master was going to treat them was eliminated when he reminded them of, you know, we had an agreement. And so that's a great challenge for us too not not a great challenge but a great um i think point of inspiration that if i've been a christian my whole life and someone's a christian in the later years of their life that i should not be bitter about that at all but the fact that they've come to serve the glorious master is is worth everything and the timeline or the time stamp that i have in my own life is so insignificant that it's not worth even bringing up in my own mind or in my conversation um, that is not part of what we're doing here. So it's a challenging thing to, to grapple with, but it is absolutely a part of what God has revealed to us. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there it is again. If we do what he's told us to do, and, and we, we should be excited about the results of that, you know, that, wow, this has been a good day. I've been so strong. I've done so well. All of that is wonderful, but don't forget that God had established those things that you did that day beforehand, before you were born, 
the Lord had all things set in order for you to step into that. So you're, you're simply just working in line with the will of God, which is a beautiful thing. And he will call you a good and faithful servant. And that's what we look forward to. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind about our master, you know, if you're a Christian, Jesus is, is your master. We are his servant. Is that he's a good master. Everything that he tells us to do, everything that he does for us, every word from his mouth is all for our good. Maybe it might not seem like it at the time, but that's how your faith is increased. You know, we need to go back to the basis for this illustration from Jesus. Increase our faith. Okay, here's how you do it. You humble yourself. You, you cultivate that servant's heart. You put others first. It, remember that it's not about you. So when we recognize that no matter what happens, maybe our, our day out in the field is really rough. Those weeds were tough to get up. And there were a lot of dirt clods and rocks in those rows that I had to get out of the way. Well, they're there for a reason. They have toughened you up. They make you a better worker. Yeah. And that is that is always what the Lord wants. What's best for you? How can you be, become a better servant to others? How can you become a better person? How can you become better at glorifying Jesus Christ? Well, the things that happen in our daily lives are our masters working to accomplish those things, to make us better. Uh, he wants us to be partakers of the divine glory. Uh, this is what Peter tells us in his letters. He's giving us ev given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and he continues to do that. He wants us to become like him, but that takes some work because we, we are not like him when we start out. We're sinful. We're a mess. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's a lot of construction work that has to go on. We learn to become a good servant. That's not something that just, you know, we step through the door, here I am, your servant, and we're automatically at a top level or whatever. We're always a work that's under construction. That's right. And as our faith increases and, and we allow these things to increase our faith, in recognizing that this is happening to me as James and Peter and all throughout the New Testament were taught this, that fiery trials come upon us to purify us. That's the master working in our lives. I'm working to help you become a better servant. And it takes faith to accept that. As we learn that and as we appreciate that, then we can increase our faith. Because that's the Lord's working. We're, we're his workmanship. He's carrying that out in us so that we can be the kind of people that we need to be and he wants us to be. We're prepared for eternity with him. That is so true. Strengthens and grows our faith. And that is exactly what he's dealing with when he's talking to these disciples. So as we pointed out in the beginning, we, we will be rewarded by God. But any boasting concerning his work is futile. First mm -hmm. Peter chapter five, verses five and six tells us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 
that he may exalt you in due time. And that's that's the yeah. picture of a, a faithful servant who not only is serving God without any grumbling or complaining, but uh, knows that when the time is right, according to his master, that they'll be exalted. And, and when God exalts you, it'll be greater than anything you could have done on your own. And, and we can dream pretty big as far as how we would be exalted or how we should be treated. God can surpass that in every way. And so, that, that again, the faith in that and the confidence and the press on and to do it his way is that very growth and development of faith that, that we've been talking about today. Yeah, I think, you know, just to, to sum all of this up, again, keeping the context in mind, the request is increase our faith. Well, God, God's works in our lives tend to be counterintuitive. We look at, at things he allows into our lives and the, and the work that he does with us, and we think, that, that is not how it should be done. I've got a better idea here. Well, no, he's the master, so he knows what's going to make us a better servant. And if we'll just surrender to that, we, we have the faith as a mustard seed to allow him to accomplish great things, we will have our faith increased. But it's got to be his way. Because that's the only way it can be done. Man's ways will not increase faith in God. Mm-hmm. That is putting faith in man. So we need to trust God's works in us and just go forth as a servant, not expecting a reward, but with a joyful heart in doing the, ma- the will of the master. Amen. Very good. Well, we have trivia questions. You, got, you have yours, don't you? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Okay. Well, let's do some trivia questions <laughs> and okay. get our audience involved and see how they can do with these four questions that we have put together for ourselves and for for everyone else. Trivia, sweet trivia. Let me ask you my first question. Okay. So both of them are fill in the blank questions. Uh oh. I'm just going to ask you to give me a phrase or the one word that's missing. So Psalm one says, "Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord." And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree pl- firmly planted by the streams of water. There you go. Yeah. Tree planted by the rivers of water. Psalm 1 and verse 3. Yeah, That's a beautiful psalm. Yeah, it is. In fact, that, that is the first scripture that my older son memorized when he was just a toddler. <laughs> that's a great place to start. So that, that one, that's an easy answer because that one's still in my memory. Okay, my turn. <laughs> Um, here is a, a, an old, a New Testament character. Who was Elizabeth? What's noteworthy about her? And I look, there's only one Elizabeth. I was going to say, man, I, <laughs> Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. That is correct. And the cousin of Mary? Apparently, yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Luke chapter 1 at verse 5, she is the mother of the the forerunner of the Christ, John the Baptist. Pretty yeah, good. If you would have said there was three or four different Elizabeths in the New Testament, I would have just passed out. Yeah. I, Give me something about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> this nope. is an extra credit, credit question. I'll just, I'll just take the incorrect answer. Yeah. 
Um, all right, number two for you. I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you earnestly to contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Where is it found? Jude 1. And verse? 3. Nice. That's right. Jude 1 and verse 3. I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Saints is the answer to that question. Very good. You got 100. And I should point out there, it is only Jude 1. <laughs> there's, oh, yeah. There's no, right. <laughs> you could just say Jude verse 3 and it'd be the same thing. It's a one chapter letter. That's right. But yeah. What a great statement. I, I love how he says that I, I was going to write to you to just basically encourage you, but then I thought it's important to exhort you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Stand so, up and fight. Yeah, he, he thought that was more important than what he originally wanted to write about. Okay. Um, you should get this one because it's already been set up. Uh, who said that it would be Christ that would baptize with the Holy Spirit? I set it up. I set it up for you. Oh. Well, I, I can give you his full statement if you want. No, no, I think I have it. Um, is the dude with the camels, ca camels coat? Camels? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a coat of camels hair, you mean? Yeah. A, a guy who liked a very organic and uh, fundamental diet. Yes, let them eat bugs. Uh, John the Baptist. It would be John the Baptist, right. Awesome. I indeed baptize you with water, but he that comes after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's Mark 1.8 in Jesus uh, Mark announced, or John announces Jesus in that way, that it will be he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Mark 1 and verse 8. Mm -hmm. All right. That is the four questions for the day. We hope that you have done well. I think we did. We got them all, didn't we? Yeah, we, we scored 100% on that one. Nice. There's are, hope for us. We are keeping score. We are got an eye on each other. <laughs> well, very good. We hope that you did well also. And, and, and we hope that this podcast was helpful to you. I'm just thinking about um, going to God and asking him to increase our faith and for him to respond and say, we'll get to work serving and uh, don't expect any pat on the back. That in that statement, there would be the great increase of our faith. And it really does drive us to trust him, to believe in him, that he's right every time. We've seen it over and over again. And he is right about salvation and eternal life. And he, not us, he will see that through to its intended end. And we thank God for that. So we hope and pray that this is an encouragement to you and that you have a blessed week as you move forward, serving God with all of your heart.